Welcome to episode one of The Rake. My name is Marley Cordero. I'm Jamie Kerstetter. Um, this is Crouton. We are going to be coming to you every week with poker news, poker debates, silly jokes, um, you know, maybe some side boob, <laughs> depending. <laughs> On our outfit choices, uh, a little bit of poker strategy, but, you know, that's not our main intention for doing this podcast. Yeah. But we just wanted to make something where we can kind of come and have a space where we can talk about the things you want to talk about without being on social media and, uh, you know, um, get everything else we want to out there. So I'm excited. Um, so we want to start by just I want to interview Marley a little bit about how she got to be a poker player and vlogger and content creator. Um, so when you were in high school and thinking about going to college or starting a job or, or whatever, was poker on your radar or did you have other aspirations first? My dad actually played full-time poker for a little while and I lived in Vegas briefly. I went to freshman year of high school in Las Vegas when he was playing. So I've been around poker. This is Crouton also. This is our <laughs> co-host. I've been around poker for as long as I can remember. I played with my family you know, when I was starting when I was eight or nine and lived here and just kind of always been around it, was talking Hannah's stories with my dad when I was 12, 14, um, superficially, not, you know, in depth solving it or anything, but uh, I've always been around it and uh, I kind of have seen some bad sides of it, which is kind of why I never thought it was my plan. Um, He ended up busting his role at one point and... um, I'm just like kind of living in Vegas and seeing being going in casinos. It was kind of like, eh, I don't know about that. Mm-hmm. And when I was uh, in high school, I was really into modeling. When I was like 14, I got an agent. We moved back to Boston when he went broke, and I got an agent. And I was modeling all the time. And I was like, oh, I kind of like you know doing this. And I was super shy. I would not speak to my agent. <laughs> was like afraid to talk to anybody. And that really brought me out of my shell and got me more comfortable and by the end of high school I was working all the time and I was like wow I'm gonna this is what I'm gonna do but my agent um bless his soul was like "Mm, you know we're in Boston this is a very small market yes like you do well here but you're gonna get a rude awakening when you go to New York which is what my plan was so I went to New York he was like go to school because I was like I'm not going to school I'm just gonna like be a supermodel. He's like, mm-hmm. you're way too short. You have a lot of issues. You, you know, it's going to be a lot tougher. You should get a degree. Yeah, you're like, they're, you're, they're saying you're going to have to talk to people. And you're like, oh. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, yeah, you can't just have your dad. Like, my dad did everything for me for mm-hmm. like three years. Just like was the go between between me and my agent. And um, it was fine, too, because my dad is like super guy, like man's man. And my agent was like this flamboyant gay guy. <laughs> and he was like, Gary. Hi, and my dad was like, "Casey, hi." I, <laughs> it was hilarious, but um, yeah, that was kind of my thing. So I went to New York, um, went to school. Um, luckily, I you know I went to school. My dad was like very smart in this way. He said the worst thing you can do is get student loans if you don't know what you want to do. Especially, God, I wish your dad had talked to me about that. Yeah, <laughs> it was like if you want to be a lawyer, if you want to be a doctor. Mm-hmm that's fine but I didn't know so he was like I went to this cool pace downtown they gave me a full scholarship mm-hmm. so I just went for free which was great and um, I did marketing but I continued to model and then I was 
And then I realized once I was there, you know, um, what I actually liked to do more was kind of be more character, do more. I do more commercials and like that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And so I ended up dropping out after two years and going to two acting schools um, simultaneously. And that was a lot and just auditioning and acting and stuff. Mm -hmm. And when I turned 21 was when poker first started coming back into my life. And my dad was living in Vegas at that time because um, he was like semi-retired. He worked from home. So I came to Vegas and my dad and I just like played and it was like, I was never really a big partier. So when mm-hmm. I turned 21, I was like, okay, like, yeah, it's cool. I can drink. And that was a little bit of it. But I was like more excited about just playing poker. Like I've yeah. always loved it. You know, I've always thought it was cool and fascinating. Um, and so I did that. I got second in a little Bellagio tournament um, for like whatever, 600 bucks or something. And um, kind of got the bug from there. And then when I went back to New York, my ex-boyfriend was a creative director in advertising. And they had like a game at this ad agency in New York. And he did not like poker. Mm-hmm. And so I took his seat and would play in that game. Um, it was 1-3. So it was small. But um, I'd play in that game. And I came to Vegas a few more times. But it was kind of... You know, I was so involved in like the acting, like performing world. My ex was a director, so we wrote a couple of films together, and I was like, this is what I'm gonna do. And uh, after being in New York for five and a half years, I went through like a really rough time. In the same week, um, my boyfriend and I broke up, and my mom committed suicide. So yeah, it was quite, it was like a few days apart. So I was living on my, sitting on my French couch already like upset about the breakup and then that happened and then I was like obviously I was 22 so I was very like ah what's happening but um, my dad was here in Vegas and I was coming back and forth for a while just being like ah you know I wanted to spend time with family and Mm -hmm. kind of was burnt out of like the rat race also when you're like an actor you have to kind of keep yourself looking good and I had totally like let myself go and physically understandably yeah I was just so depressed and upset and um like flipping around so I was going back and forth for about six to eight months and then I decided you know I just like can't be in New York I'm like not actually trying I'm Mm -hmm. not present and it's expensive I've lived in New York two different times and I'm like man I feel like I walk out the door and they're like that'll be a hundred dollars like everything is marked up and it's just a a kind of stressful place to live so stressful and it's like a bankroll eater yeah and uh when I was there I would just stay with friends I wouldn't even Mm -hmm. I didn't even have a place because it was too expensive but um eventually I said um you know I it sucks but I'm just gonna I'm just like I'm over it I'm gonna go to in Vegas and still even poker wasn't even like my dream or anything Mm -hmm. I was you know I played like sometimes but this time I was like pretty broke so I didn't even have a bank it's hard to play poker when you're broke (laughs) it's so hard and especially live in New York it's really just eats it up Mm -hmm. so I got two waiting jobs and I had made some friends here just from the few times I'd come Mm -hmm. you know playing poker it's pretty easy it's a social game you make friends so I made friends with these British kids who come three months at a time to grind and I lived with them I lived with my dad for a couple months in the beginning and then um was was waiting tables and eventually met my ex and he played full time Mm -hmm. and his friends and then slowly but surely I just kind of decided you know what (laughs) I'm doing it I don't know it just like happened slowly but 
Yeah, I feel bad. like for some people, the first $600 win would have gotten them. They've been like, I made $600 in like three yeah. hours. That's a great hourly, totally sustainable. I'm yeah. going to do this for the rest of my life. <laughs> yeah. There was definitely times, like, I waited, I waited tables for two years, and that's all I did. I quit one of the jobs at one point, just had one. But you make good money in Vegas also, so yeah. I was making bank <clears throat> being a waitress. I, like, I waited tables um, even when I was in college uh, for a few years. And then yeah. after that, even when I was in law school, I continued it for a little bit. Because it's, it's a job where it's, like, social, and you get exercise, and you make some money, and you can kind of quit when you want. It's that no-pressure job. You're not like, you're yeah. like, this isn't a career. Like, I'm waiting tables. So there's that the pressure is off if you decide that you hate your job you just leave that day and you're done yeah <laughs> it's it's really a great way to make money I think and also it's just like it gives you this kind of empathy when you eat out you know for the rest of your yes, life I will never sniff someone in my life they would yeah. have to spit in my food and curse at me for me to for sure later. and there's so many little things about being in a restaurant you know not staying after they close and mm-hmm. you know, not taking up a table when they yeah. have reservations like you can just sense these things and you're just more aware of it so yeah. um but yes, yeah, so that's how I got here. Um, we had very, very, very different backgrounds. Um, mm-hmm. You were actually a lawyer, yeah. which is, uh, <laughs> you actually completed school yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and had a career. Um, tell me about that. Tell me about how yeah. you found poker. Um, so I was always really competitive. I played uh, soccer and ran track at Rutgers and it's division one and it like took up a ton of time, but it was also the things that I was the most passionate about. Um, so after I graduated from Rutgers, I went to University of Michigan Law School, mm-hmm. and uh, I felt kind of weird being there because my whole identity was like, I was like, oh, I'm, I'm smart and I'm, I'm athletic and I have all these things that like I've always done my whole life. I go there mm-hmm. and I'm like, shit, everyone here is really smart. I'm not special at all. And like, there are some people who like blow me out of the water in terms of intelligence, and I'll have conversations with them and be like, all right, well, that's not my thing anymore. And then I'm like, oh, I don't play sports anymore. That's over. The part of my life is done. Like I could play intramurals if I want to and I could run marathons and stuff, but I'm not on this team that kind of like nurtured that competitive side of me. So I'm like, yeah. wow, that's done. Um, and I had this like feeling of an identity crisis kind of, or I'm like, I don't know what my thing is anymore. I guess I'll just um, do okay at the school, graduate, get a job, be a lawyer. Um, and my first year of law school, when it was super important to get good grades, um, my dad died suddenly of a heart attack. And I was like, all right, I, my focus is gone. I don't care about school. Like everything else seemed more important than that. Like even just having conversations on the phone with my mom or my brothers, um, I would rather do that than study. And then I'd show up at class and I'd get called on with the Socratic method. They'd be like, Ms. Kersetter, yeah. what do you think about this? And I'd be like, didn't read it, didn't sleep, have no idea what you're talking about. And it would be like, well, I'm not getting the A in that class, you know, because uh. like real life uh, took over and like school didn't seem that important. So I ended up going through law school and like graduating with like a B average, which is fine, got a good job um, mm-hmm. and worked as a lawyer. And I realized within about two months that I was like, I am not boring enough for this. Yeah. <laughs> like, you really have to have such a narrow focus and really want to make money and just mm-hmm. really you have to be able to see yourself doing it for 20 years straight. And that's what my problem was. I was like, I can fake it. I could be like, I'm a professional person and do these people's wills and give them advice. Um, but when I started thinking of like a few, even a few years in the future, I'm like, if I'm still doing this every day, oh my God, I'm going to want to jump off a building. Yeah. Like this is not the life that I want. Um, and fortunately for me, I played a ton of poker in law school. When I gave up that idea of I'm going to get straight A's um, was when I was like, well, now I have time to do other stuff. <laughs> like, for sure. Like if I'm happy with getting a B, um, then I can go drive to Detroit and play at Greektown Casino. Mm-hmm. Um, I can play in this little $20 law school game that we had and 
that sparked my interest more than anything else because these guys were smarter than me, but I kicked their ass in poker. Yeah. I'm like, I'll be the person reading Harrington, Harrington's books. And they were the people that were reading their law stuff. Yeah. Idiots, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but you still finished, though. Which yeah, I still finished. It was important uh, to you to, like, get that de- degree and, yeah. It was important to my family for me to get this degree. Yeah. Like, that's kind of what it was. I was like, my mom was going through just so much. Like, her life fell apart when my dad died. And, mm. like, understandably, was, they did everything together. Um, so when she was like, you have to go back right after he died. It was a week later. She's like, you have to go back to school. Like, don't ruin your life. You're on such a good path. I went, Michigan was like the seventh best law school in the country. And it was like, if you graduate from here, you're set. Mm. And just like, please don't ruin, ah, please don't ruin your life over this like tragedy. And I was like, all right. So I'm in school a week later. Like I'm going to ever focus. But, but it, it did stick with me. My mom wanted me to get done. Um, it got done and I was on this like good path. And uh, it was a tough sell to my family, even with the degree, even with having had uh, jobs in the legal field to say, Mm. I don't want to do this. I want to play poker. Um, (laughs) And I played a lot online and I actually quit my second law job um, about a week before Black Friday happened, which is hilarious timing. I'm like, awesome. Every day I'd go in being like, I don't really want to be a lawyer. And I stuck it out for months of that. Finally get the balls to go in and be like done with this don't yeah. want to do this and a week later i'm like oh half my bankroll i won't be able to touch it for three years cool <laughs> so crazy yeah that was a, a cool thing that happened in my life but then i actually moved to rosarito mexico um which was a super good experience that i never thought i was going to do mm-hmm. um and i played there for about a year and a half got a ton of hands under my belt also met a lot of very good players who were like doing all the right things mm-hmm. um and had some good people to talk hand histories over so It's one of those things you don't know whether it's good luck or bad luck when certain things happen in your life. And I feel like things kind of organize themselves for me to have a a good circle of friends in poker and be in a good spot. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you it really I mean, you have such a strong online background, which I don't have. And that's definitely everybody who has played online is always better, in my opinion. Because it's just, you just get more hands under your belt. You have mm-hmm. that kind of... You find out if you're bad. I think that yeah. might be what it is. It's yeah. like the people who played online and dropped out have proven to themselves that they're losing at poker. Yeah. And I think that's something too, where it's like, if you have an online background and you're bad, you're going to know about it. Like mm-hmm. if I played a million hands online, you're like, okay, well, you're losing at a rate of this many big blinds. I'm like, wow, I'm really bad. And I've proven it to myself. Like there'll be one guy maybe who should have been winning who had bad variants, but like yeah. a million other people are losing because they're not good and that was something that was good for me when um when black friday happened to just say like okay i've been doing this for a long time i can do this like i'm good at this i can i can like play live poker if i want i can move to mexico if i want and it'll be fine i like i actually showed my mom my graphs to be like i'm not throwing my life away like look this says so um and kind of convinced other people that like they should just let me do my thing Mm -hmm. um but it was hard. I think that that's especially now. I mean, poker's gotten harder. Um, yeah. Five or six years ago. Yeah. I'm like, look, I'm winning. And then there were, were multiple times in the last few years where I'm like, I don't think I am. Like I, there were times I'm like, I need to move down in stakes because mm. people have all gotten better. And like if I don't put in serious work, I'm going to be one of those people that's just spending money on my poker hobby. But your brother also was the first one that kind of showed it to you and he now is not playing <laughs> not at all yeah, yeah he will uh, he sweats it really hard he couldn't believe it this summer when I commentate he's like 
You're just commentating the WSOP main. I'm it's just like, crazy. I don't know what the hell I'm doing. I'm like, I just take, say yes to every opportunity and hope it works out. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we used to rush home. Like we were on vacation the one time at a really nice restaurant mm-hmm. and we're like, okay, wrap it up. Like get the bill. Let's go. And my mom's like, what the hell? Like why, what are you guys in such a rush to do? I'm like, well, the main event's on. And it was Aww. like pre DVR days. So yeah. we're like, we got to get back. So we like bag up our food and like run home to the hotel and end up like watching Lon and Norm and all the stuff. And yeah, he loved poker, and he was the one who, uh, he really did, he was always the one who was like, let's play online, like, let's get these books. I remember driving him to Barnes & Noble because he was too young to even drive when he was into Aww. poker, and we bought, like, six poker books, and we're going through them. And what does he do now? Um, he has he has his own power washing company, and he's actually, like, he's a business owner. It's so weird, because I still think of him as this, like, little brother. Yeah. He got his engin- engineering degree from Rutgers, and he might have switched to psychology, never used it, just decided that, like, he wanted to just, like, own his own business so he's one of those guys that like he's like let's get some student loans and then pay them off forever slowly (laughs) i mean who knows what the right answer is but um you know it's definitely a a wild ride that we've been on especially Mm -hmm. in last year yeah and um we're gonna talk more about that um to come sure yeah but um myself uh i started a poker vlog about a year ago almost exactly and that kind of changed my whole trajectory again with poker. Um, and I went from just playing all the time. I'd played full time for two years. And then I started this vlog and I kind of got more involved in the backside of poker. And it's been kind of weird because poker is almost my side thing, my, mm-hmm. my side bitch at this point. Um, <laughs> it's kind of and it's exhausting having a side bitch. Like, I don't know how people do it. It's really it's like this is a full time job. You're needy and you, you know, yeah. you require a lot of um, <laughs> work. So uh, it's it's been complicated. But um, it's interesting. This con we talked about this before the concept of are you a pro if you have other income? And even if it is poker related, mm-hmm. but yeah, it used to be a thing. Like I, the yeah. poker has evolved a lot, but um, it used to be the sort of thing where like if you weren't just playing poker and making every dollar in your life from poker, people are like mm-hmm. you're not a real poker pro. You're someone who has a sponsorship. Like that used to be something I would hear. Like if a friend had a sponsorship, mm-hmm. you'd be like, oh yeah, like do they even win? Like they're probably just living off their sponsorship. It was like a badge of honor to just grind poker, and then. It was weird because, like, I did want to be the person who just grinded poker, especially as a female, because people think that guys are handing you buy-ins or handing you opportunities. Yeah. I'm like, I want to make sure I win. And that's why online was so good for me to have that to be like, look, like, I'm a real poker player. I don't have a girl name on. I was and the law one from the Clash song. Like, mm. I was like, no one knows I'm a girl. Um, no one treats me differently. And I could beat this game. Mm-hmm. And that to me was like really important for when other things started happening where you get opportunities. I'm like, I can say yes to these opportunities. I've proven myself to myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if I want to make some money doing other things, like if I was going to do a vlog or if I was going to commentate or any other ways that you can make money in poker or take a sponsorship or something, mm-hmm. um, I don't feel like that takes away from my like pro poker playing. Yeah, I definitely still have moments myself of am I still a pro, you know, all these mm-hmm. things. And um, I don't know. I think that that's just ego and validation and all that. And definitely is. It was it just is. like my pride where I was like, oh, I want to yeah. make sure that like people think I'm good. Yeah. Now I'm like, who cares? Like that's the kind of thing where like you just got to make sure you're winning. You don't, it doesn't matter yeah. if anyone thinks you're winning, thinks you're good or anything. Like you yourself have to know that you're doing the work and that you're playing the stakes you should play and that like you're doing the right things. Yeah. And uh We'll talk more about that. We're going to share some results and stuff to come. Mm -hmm. And yeah.
This seems like a good time to reach out to our sponsors and thank them for their support. Thank you to Run It Once Poker, the new fun place to play online. Unfortunately, you cannot play in the United States, which we are now. But if you are in Europe and outside the United States, check it out. They've got some amazing promotions and games going on. Yeah, you can sign up through once.run slash play and receive 100% deposit bonus up to 600 euro. And with the 51% rake they give in their reward system, Splash the Pot, you get a little bit of gamble with your rake back. It's always fun. And if you are in the U.S. and the rest of the world, you can still check out Run It Once Training, uh, best place to learn from poker players much better than us. Just go to once.run slash learn. You get three free elite videos just for checking it out. And yeah, so make sure you do that if you uh, want to take it to the next level. Okay, so that's both of our backgrounds that led up to poker. Um, So where has poker taken you? What have you been doing currently? So besides the vlog, which I've been doing for a year, um, in the last four or five months, I started hosting the Triton series, which is this big series. That's This is maybe their sixth event, so they've, they're fairly new, and they do the super, super nosebleed high roller events. Um, they had the biggest tournament in history this past series in London, and it was my it's my first time hosting anything. I have eaten a lot of shit um, <laughs> along the way. Um, had some great interviews, some not great interviews. And it's just been another thing for me that's kind of put me outside my comfort zone and, and sh- I don't know, showed me this new side to what I can do. But it's just been great being around that insane action. You know, my first interview was Linus Lilliger, who's, you know, arguably the best in the world right now. And I got to talk to some amazing people. And it's awesome. And it just, just shows how big poker has gotten and how it's continuing to grow. Every series at Triton is bigger than the last. They had a a $1 million buy-in, Yeah, 1 million pounds, so yeah. Over a million dollars. Over a million dollars, so (laughs) it's like, it's just, and everything is bigger and better. Um, They have some huge cash games that they've been playing there. Um, Some of the same people I play with in Vegas, but they're even bigger stakes, Mm -hmm. massive, massive stakes and everything, so... It's it's growing for sure. I mean, mm-hmm. we are seeing so many more of these series popping up and definitely the even the midst to low stakes is growing. We just worked together mm-hmm. not that long ago um, at Reno. You commentated on me playing and that was kind of cool. How, how was, was that fun. for you? <laughs> I've had this happen before a couple of times. Um, the funniest time was when uh, I had signed on already to do the final table at Borgata. Mm-hmm. And then my boyfriend made the final table. And I'm like, it's going to be a little hard to be objective, <laughs> especially because yeah. we even swapped. So I'm like, not only was I like super happy to watch him win money, but I was like, oh, I also have 5% and I have to pretend that I'm objective. <laughs> so I was like, uh, I just was like, um, I hope he wins, guys. I hope you understand. And I'm going to try to be objective within each hand. But that's how I felt with you when I'm commentating. I'm like, yeah. I like, I was very conscious of like, oh, like, don't give her too much credit because you think a play is good. Oh, don't be too mean because you're overcompensating. Um, and I think that does happen. It's like in the back of my mind to just like make sure I'm treating all the players the same. Yeah. Um, but it was fun. It's more fun to do that job when I'm like, I would be watching that stream anyway. That was a fun game to watch. There was a lot of good table talk. Mm-hmm. Um, and also there were stakes that actually made sense in my mind. Like everyone loves watching the high rollers and the big million dollar cash games. But as someone who yeah. plays mid stakes, sometimes I'm like, oh, this feels like monopoly money. Like when someone's yeah. in a $200,000 pot, I'm just, it doesn't feel 
real to me. But when you guys are playing 10 and a quarter, I'm like, okay, I can envision playing this hand. And mm-hmm. like my bet sizing would probably be this in this spot. And it was cool. Like I would be watching it anyway. So it's cool to be he's having a dream Aww. and he's like real weird looking. <laughs> Sorry, Crouton, for waking you mm-hmm. up, buddy. Um, that was fun, though. I, and like that's a cool thing when you still love poker and you're working in the poker industry. Yeah. When I'm thinking I would be watching the stream at home and like rooting for my friend. And now I'm getting paid to talk about it on stream and make it fun. And I'm like, this is definitely uh, a lot different from being a lawyer. I'm actually enjoying the things I do every day. For Thanks. sure. Especially with that stream, too. It's so lax. And even the pros, even myself, like I, you know, not that I'm like some GTO bot or anything, but I definitely went into it playing being like okay I'm gonna like give action and play crazy and so mm-hmm. it's just like loose and there's no feeling of you have to be so spot on with everything and yeah everyone's just having a good time you know Danielle Anderson shout out Danielle was playing day one and she got everyone to do shots and everyone was definitely feeling it we have she's my induced. peer pressure person oh my like, god she's the one person where I'm like nope sober gotta do a bunch of stuff in the morning and then she's like well, I have a kid to go home to and I'm still doing this shot. And I'm like, fucking Danielle. I'm like, okay, I'm doing shots now. <laughs> it's so funny. I mean, I, I love that about poker that everyone's just kind of, there's no judgment in poker. It's 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 definitely not dead. It's definitely sticking around. Yeah. And I'm excited that um, it just has that, that atmosphere about it. It's great. It's fun. Um, yeah, about the poker not being dead thing. Like this has been just, Every year we talk about it on Twitter. People are like, oh, here's evidence that poker's dead. And because there are um, bots that we're worrying about and there's uh, solvers that people are doing and like the best players in the world are getting better and better and they're unbeatable. I'm like, yes, but the best players in the world are buying into $1 million buy-ins and $100,000 buy-ins. I'm playing 2-5 and 5-10. I'm Mm -hmm. playing 1K buy-ins. These guys aren't at home solving uh for the most part and yeah the turnouts this summer for wsop were huge they crushed every guarantee and not only that the lines were so long that people would go to the win and they'd play their tournaments they go to aria and play their tournaments and so those fields were juiced up too um so i left the summer feeling like wow i'm glad i didn't quit this game i'm glad i'm like my love for it is renewed because there's money in it again Mm -hmm. and then i go on twitter and everyone's like oh man these solvers and these bots and these whatever and poker's dying i'm like were you at the same WSOP that I was at? <laughs> like, that was a good summer. Um, yeah. And there is something to be said. Like, people are very narrowly focused on the games that they play. Mm. So, yeah, if the games they're playing are getting harder, then that's what they're talking about. But like, that's some of the most vocal and um, respected members of our community are playing very big. So they're talking about their very big games. And I'm like, man, the little peasants down here are having a great time in poker right yeah. now. <laughs> I think, yeah, even Reno, we had 10,000 viewers yep. watching that Reno stream. You know, live at the bike gets insane views. All these streams are are blowing up, and and we're also just seeing that you know another big controversy with it with these streams is that people are saying, you know, it's not fun to watch because everyone's just playing GTO and whatever. But from what I see, um, actually, Sam Greenwood wrote a, a thing on Twitter saying talking about Chidwick's play in the the super high roller that just happened and saying that even in that event, which is, you know, arguably the most GTO, the most, you know, solved, you know, players and they're making plays that aren't, 
that are, are adjusting yeah, the, because that's where their edge is going to be, right? If everyone is playing like GTO. Um, mm-hmm. Also, when people say GTO, it probably like kills the people who study very hard because they're just like, yeah. like no one's even approaching close to being a GTO player. Um, they're trying their best. And then even within that, like people are making exploits that they think they should make based on what they think their opponents are doing. So, you know, there's adjustments being made even when people are approaching GTO mm-hmm. style play. So, um, I like that thread by Sam. And it also highlighted, as I'm reading the thread, I'm like, if I were a more casual player, I'd be like, this is boring, like this thread. Um, Because it was very cerebral and it was very much like, if you love poker and you study poker, you'll understand this. And if you don't and you play it more casually, you're going to be not that into it, what he was talking about. Um, But that's what's so cool, that there are like different streams for everyone. There are people who are watching the Triton streams just to be like, whoa, they're playing for a million dollars a person. Like Mm -hmm. they don't care what each hand looks like or whatever. It's just like, who's going to win 18 million? Um, And then there are people that are watching that to break down every single hand and understand it and Mm -hmm. like put it through their own um, whatever they would do to study Mm -hmm. and be like, oh, is this GTO approved or not? Like, would the solver do this? And then, you know, then there are the streams that are for fun. Like when I commentated your stream. Yeah, I barely had a talk. It was so funny. I'm sitting there. I'm like, I'm having a glass of champagne that Danielle sent into the thing. So I was like, I feel like I haven't spoken in three or four minutes because you guys were just chatting and yeah. playing the uh, three deuce suited bounty game, the skinny at the Reno, they call it. Um, and that was kind of cool because I'm like, there's no one here who's watching the stream to learn poker. No, they're watching the stream because it's fun. There are fun people who are yeah. like, gambling for a bunch of money. And I think that there's there's a lot of different pockets of poker that are doing very, very well. And that mm-hmm. I just don't buy that whole poker is dying message. Yeah, I mean, and even the whole debate, um, there was something also, you know, of course, Rob Young, the owner of Party Poker, has mm-hmm. been talking a lot about on Twitter about, you know, getting some games together for him and and doing things like that but he's a he's a a controversial you know big thing in poker and he um oh was i gonna say just talking about our our games that what do people want to see and jason coon spoke up Mm -hmm. saying that um you know that kind of idea that we want to have everyone drinking and and be like oh look how (laughs) much fun we're having is kind of like dead and i agree with him um and i think that there's this happy balance where um I don't know. I, I think that like as long as you're being you mm-hmm. and that's interesting. I think that what's not interesting is when you see it being forced, whether that's. Yes. You know and I, mean? I won't trash any specific people. Yeah. But like there are very specific people who are always just like, yeah. I'm a clown. And like yeah. they think that's appealing. And it is to some people. Mm-hmm. Um, but I find that tire tiresome after a while. Like I do think it's fun when people will have a drink before the game, loosen up the game a tiny bit. Um, but I agree with Jason Kuhn that like it doesn't have to be a forced thing. That's the worst. If you're playing for so much money, like I've played um over my head a couple times because mm-hmm. I wanted to play on poker after dark or whatever. And I wouldn't want to be doing shots. Like, I'm like, this is for a lot of money. Like, I'm trying really hard. I will have conversations, but I'm nervous. And, like, I don't want to have to fake it. I don't want to be like, look how much fun I'm having. I'm like, oh, yeah. if I lose a 10K pot, I'm not having fun. <laughs> I think that, yeah, just so. staying authentic. And mm-hmm. there are people, like, even, you know, Berkey, you know, my boyfriend, you know, he's not really – that's not really his thing on TV is to be the, like, boisterous – he yeah. doesn't drink, he's not whatever. But his thing is that he just gives – and he just – it gives insane action and yep. will just be crazy. And like, that's authentic. He's, he's never forcing it, giving action. He doesn't play like super, super GTO. He wants to just whatever. And that's his thing. And it's interesting because that's just him. And there are other people like Danielle, 
she's very talkative, very mm-hmm. outgoing, whatever. But that's just how she is. She's not doing it because she's on TV. Right. She'd be doing yeah, the same I've thing if she was in the back room. cash games with her yeah. um, in the casino with no cameras rolling, no whole cards, no nothing. And she's the person being like, do a shot. You could do it. You yeah. know, like she's the person who might just break into song for a minute. Yeah, you know? yeah for sure. Um, and that's yeah. totally awesome because then she's the person that you're like, oh, she'd be great on a TV game because she could just be herself and it's going to be good. Mm. Um, but what was happening for a while is like some of the games were being stacked with these very loud like showmen type people Mm. and like you don't need more than one of those guys um it can get really annoying actually uh to have a bunch of people who are all putting on a show so i think sometimes like you want the berkey who's like going to play really interesting um Mm. and not really just put on a show he doesn't talk a whole lot um i love garrett uh adelstein adelstein i say his name wrong every single time um he gives action he's nice to everyone and he'll talk when someone engages him mm-hmm. and i'm like there's a place for those people too especially yeah. when you have the loud guy who's putting on a show so i think that's kind of interesting that the old school players prefer the very loud boisterous people because that's like that was their era yeah of people and i'm like i like them too sometimes but i don't think they have to find their way into every single lineup i think that there's a place for a lot of different type of players in poker Definitely. And just be you. And, and I, I feel the pressure though. That's definitely when I play myself, even in mm-hmm. Reno, you know, I, cause there are times where I kind of just like, I, I like that kind of zone sometimes of just get, not necessarily having headphones in, but that mm-hmm. focus of, I'm just going to grind and actually just try my best and, and just actually compete. And sometimes I'm like in that zone and I'm like, oh, I'm on TV. I can't be. But I'm like, (laughs) you can, you know, it's all good. You can just do whatever you feel. Mm -hmm. And um, I think the numbers speak for themselves that poker is certainly. People are watching it. Certainly not dead. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and, and all these different kinds of things are getting, you know, competitive numbers, whether it's a super nosebleed quiet game or it's like a super wild game. So yeah. um, lately I've been playing on so. uh, Jason Somerville's Run It Up streams. Oh, yeah. And they're small. They're like games that I can play. We're playing five, ten, ten dollars straddle. Um, it gets a little out of line every time. Just yeah. like it reminds me of like a 2 a.m. cash game where, yeah. you know, all of a sudden a couple people are stuck and they're like, hey, let's just bump up these stakes and put uh, a bounty on this and let's bet red or black flops and whatever. It's like people are giving a lot of action. But they're they're having three thousand viewers on that, and I'm like, you're basically watching a small game between friends. Yeah, um, and that's really heartening to me. That you know that I think mid stakes are going to be healthy for a really long time, and I think that the elite players' concerns about solvers and bots and all the things they worry about are very very legit to the stakes that they're playing, mm-hmm. um, and that their concerns are legitimate. But also that sometimes like the mid stakes people are forgotten. Where I'm like, hey, our ecosystem and poker is doing good. It's so hard though. I mean, I've I'm by no means you know, proficient on Pio or solvers myself, but I've obviously watched a ton of run at once videos, which Mm -hmm. a lot of run at once videos are solver based and are really in depth videos that I literally have to like focus on. You cannot watch (laughs) them them in the background. And you have to like rewatch them. (laughs) Yeah. And especially some people like sauce who are like so in depth in their analysis. And if you, if you look at it, it's not like they just plug in, how do I play Ace King under the gun? And just tells you do that. <laughs> oh, you should just do this. It's yeah. it's he he starts with like an hypothesis of like oh I think that this could be an exploit, and then he has to like play with all the little notches mm-hmm. and play with the things, and then still he gets an output of raise eighty percent and fold yeah. this much, and it's so nuanced and it's just so complicated. And 
I don't know. It, it, it and then at the, end the, at the end of the day, I I think personally, especially live poker, you live in the exploits, and that's what makes someone really good. Live poker is not going to be dead for a very long time. It's so much opinion. about exploits for sure. <laughs> yeah. And and I think the players that I look up to the most and think are the most talented are the ones that have that knowledge and they know how, they can fall back on it. Mm-hmm. Um, someone who does it really well was Andrew Moreno, who played in the game with me. He, I've known him for five years, for a long time. Very um, studied, smart player, but he's so exploitative and he's able to just like switch on a dime and make these crazy um, adjustments in game because he's so attuned to what's going on. So mm-hmm. I think that, you know, just for the basic fact that you got to, you got to pay attention and, yeah, and that the, will never go away. That will right, always be the case. Take work um, yeah. and a basic knowledge. But that that's the one concern I have when people are saying poker is dead because of this, this and this. I'm like, I hope that casual people who enjoy playing don't read that and think, oh, people just plug in this and it tells them how to beat me. Yeah. It gives I'm like, you need to know so much and you have to put in so much work to even get the right output that like the correct output. I'm like, yeah. if I go and use a solver, like I watch a lot of videos. Um, I like run it once videos a lot. Um, I think Jason Kuhn is great. I think the Greenwoods yeah. are great. Chris Crock is great. Um, and something I like is that they know a lot about what they're talking about and they will do the work and they'll explain to me how they got there. And yeah. for me, I'm like, if I take some hands and I start trying to mess around with solvers with no one's help, I'll make myself a worse player. Yeah. <laughs> so the guys who are at home being like, oh no, these people who play 510 are going home and like figuring out how to beat me. I'm like, they're probably not. They're not. Like, uh, And I think that mid stakes is going to be healthy for quite some time. Yeah, I think... Um uh, I, I do think people have, in general, I think it's, you know, we can all agree that people in general have gotten better. And the For very sure. the very basic things of don't punt and basic hand ranges and stuff have definitely don't gone punt. up. Like, like, you don't, it's rare now that you see people kind of check calling down with queen high thinking it's good or something. Yeah. It's something egregious like that. Um, but I think, you know, it, poker just takes a lot of work at the end of the day. And, um and I think that too many people enjoy enjoy it for yeah. it to be you going missed away. you missed the best era of poker. The only thing I that know. makes me sad about like our backgrounds is I'm like, oh man, you missed those couple of years where people are like, well, you know, nine deuce off, it's a forward bet to six bet type of hand. You're not going to four bet and then fold it. Like if you watch some of the scoop final tables, um, so good. you can replay them. Uh, Chris Oliver, who's like was my favorite player because he would just like punt around. Um, he multiple times was raising uh, was like four or five betting nine deuce off. I don't know if it was his favorite hand or whatever. I'm like, they're playing for a million dollars. He's just like, what are you going to do? I mean, if you three bet, this is a three to five. (laughs) A three to five. That was like, that was a thing that was in everybody's videos. Like, oh, this is a three to five type of hand. I'm like, you don't hear people being like, oh, we three bet to five bet this. Now we all flat and like play post flop and play better. Um, But at that time, it was more like of a macho thing where you're like, not gonna fly i mean we're gonna put the pressure back on this guy and it was like we have our rounders thing back here yeah. where some of the hand histories were just ridiculous absurd <laughs> but if you go back to like online poker around i guess 2009 2010 it was like that where it was mm-hmm. just like i'm gonna make this guy crack if i just put more pressure on him and it wasn't like as mathematical and it was pretty fun yeah well you know what maybe that day will come again soon <laughs> Um, <laughs> yeah, it's still, you know, you still have your opportunities at WSOP. I'm like, there are times where I've been like, I think I'm in an ego battle with this guy. Like, oh, I'm yeah. not feeling oh. it, but this guy's in an ego battle with me. <laughs> so you have to like adjust the ranges that he's playing based on like this guy hating my guts. Yep. But um, it's a good time to explain why we're called the rake. Yeah. We have our rounders poster back here. Um, 
in that movie, Worm says, In the poker game of life, women are the rake. They are the fucking rake. Um, so here we are. <laughs> we are here. We are the rake. We are the people you have to deal with. You know, we're we're the token the token ladies that you always see and you're like, oh, there's that bitch again. Like, yeah, oh, Marley, I can't, can't get rid of her. Um, we're the rake. Uh, more rake is probably not better, <laughs> but more women are better, I think. I agree. So, I would like more ladies in poker. Yeah. And I hope that they're listening and realizing poker's not dead. It's not too late to get into it. For sure. And that's going to be a common uh, discussion point. And we're not going to do too much strategy going forward, but we are going to do some. We do want to do a segment called As Played, where we uh, get hand histories from viewers and we want them to be punty and we want your worst hands. And we're just going to give you some feedback, joking or (laughs) otherwise, and uh, do some of that. But besides that, we're going to keep it pretty light, talk about some current events, talk about what we're up to, our results, what we do as far as actually play poker these days. And kind of just um, give you our, you know, stupid take on, <laughs> on everything on this industry and mm-hmm. what's been going on with it. Yeah, and Crouton's going to sleep on the couch. So yes. like, if you hate us, you at least have something cute to look at. For sure. All right. Well, um, that's it for the first episode, I think. I think we have... Um, sure. Send it. Yeah, send it. It's a wrap. Ship it. We're gonna we're gonna wrap it up here. But if you guys have any suggestions, otherwise, feel free to write us in about that. Um, and hands, of course. And we are gonna have some guests at some point as well. So if there's anybody you'd really like to see us talk to, let us know. All right. See you guys later.